Awesome date. May 11th, 2009. Awesome topic. Wait, there's not ten of us? This is the Awesome Cast. Awesome cast. I'm Basil. I'm Rail. I'm Kevin. And I'm Doug. And that's us. So here we are, yet another another week, another podcast. We're recording on the fifth, Cinco de Mayo, and Cinco de Mayo's. That that's right. That's why I call it. Sadly, none of us are ingesting any tequila. Sadly, but. I have this unshakable feeling that the world is going to end on May 5th. I don't know which May 5th. I just really feel that one of these May 5ths, someday, the world is going to end. So far, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we, we've hit, like, 25 of them without any problems, so... Wait a minute, I haven't had a drink today yet. Oh god, the world's ending. We need to get Brad a drink. <sighs> yes. Although I hate tequila. Will beer do? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, hold on. <laughs> well, while... Doug gets rail of beer. So, of course, if you missed, you know, May 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th. I was going to go see you. that movie on opening night and never got around to it. Which movie? Uh, Wolverine. Oh, well... That has nothing to do with Star Wars. <laughs> Well, I, well, I think they. I, I originally thought they were on the same weekend. It turns out they're a week apart, and I wasn't notified about this until like a week ago. Well, you're referring to Star Trek, <clears throat> which is this upcoming. Friday. Yeah, yeah, I'm planning on seeing that. Like, Don't make this the weekend. same mistake CNN did, Rail. Oh. Star Wars and Star Trek are different. <laughs> now, who committed the party foul there? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Brad will take his top off anyway. Well. <laughs> There are many ways if you'd like to talk to us. You can send us an email at awesomecast at gmail.com or even leave us a message in the comment section. Or you can leave us a voicemail at area code 206 That said, we are doing a contest with the emails. Awesomecast at gmail.com. The whole idea is that I just acquired certain Dragon Ball Evolution posters and we're giving them away. The trick is, you have to email us, awesomecast.gmail.com, with your impressions of the movie. But Basil, I hated the movie. Is it okay if I write in? Fuck yes, it's okay if you write in. In fact, we prefer that shit. That's correct, Doug. <laughs> now, we are going to be selecting winners in two ways. The email we like the most, and a random email from everybody else. So even if your opinion is lame and you don't know how to spell... You can still win. 
quite frankly, if your opinion is LOL, I like fluffy bunnies, Dragon Ball Z movie, LOL, fluffy bunnies, I will personally think that that's the best one. So you'll get my vote. So there you go. So any other things, or shall we move on to a moment of awesome? Oh, we're moving on to the moment of awesome. I came unprepared. Okay, well... Well, we can't start without Eric, with Kevin giving us the music, because yeah. James hasn't made one in yet. It's the moment of awesome! Moment of awesome! Yeah. Oh, baby. Alright, baby, so what's yours? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what's awesome? What's awesome with us? For me, it had to be Abdullah the Butcher's. Uh, barbecue and Chinese food, the restaurant. Oh. This past Sunday, um, well, for one, our friends Michael and Esther got married. That was totally going to be my awesome thing. Well, then talk about it. Well, you're doing your thing first. No, well, he's talking about the, the restaurant. You, you can, can talk about you, you can the set it up. wedding. Okay, so my moment of awesome thing is actually going to be, I'm totally stealing your thunder here, Basil. It's fine, go steal. Is that uh, our, our dear good friends, Michael and Esther Knuckles... Just got married, and they got married at a Ren Fair. Because they had to do something to outgeek us all, because Bertie and Charlie set the bar pretty high. They did, and and Michael and Esther, their wedding was pretty damn awesome. Like, uh, I don't know how many of you people have ever been to a Ren Fair, but I highly recommend it. Uh, I made the mistake of renting a costume when I first got there thinking, oh, I need to be in period or some nonsense, and I got inside, <laughs> and I realized that fantasy, uh, fantasy costume was pretty much close enough and generally tended to look much better on most of the people, so... Hell, I, I saw anime cosplayers there. There was a guy totally running around in a bleach hollow mask. <laughs> they were selling bleach swords in some of the, uh, stores. So there you go. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't think people should go like uh, should go. You know, wearing their uh, their anime cosplay outfits. But you know, if you if you dress up like your fantasy idea of a pirate or your fantasy idea of a gypsy, which is what I did, uh, you're, you're pretty good, much going to be spot on there. Although you could do Lotus Wars, Slayers, Grin yeah. Saga, or any other fantasy themed anime, and no one would tell the difference. Yeah, it, it's about like that is what I really saw. It was fun, but. Anyhow, the dresses at Esther's wedding were absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Groomsman outfits were pretty cool, Oh, too. yeah, like oh, uh, yeah. Michael's, the shirt that yeah. he wore, the little tunic, that was just amazing. Like, and I think Esther sewed all of those, like her and her mom. Her mom did a lot of it. Costumes yeah. kicked ass at this wedding. Yeah, yeah. And now you realize that none of the rest of us can do this again if we ever get married. I know, that sucks. Because they already did it, and so if anybody does it now, they'll just be like, oh, you guys are just copying Michael and Esther. That's okay, because if I get any other wedding I have, will automatically be better than my first one. Okay, well, that's well, so sad. Well, the trick is, like, you can do it, you just have to step it up. So now we have to go to the Michigan Room Fair, which is the largest room fair. But the Atlanta Ren Fair was already huge. I mean, we walked around all day. I got a sunburn on the top of my head. So did I. Yeah, of you know. I'm a little um, thin up there. But, yeah. So I recommend doing your wedding at Dola Butcher's uh, Barbecue and Chinese <laughs> Food. Sunday after everything was said and done and everyone left. And everyone was like, okay, we're going to go now. I'm like, 
it's like noon. I'm in Atlanta. I don't want to go home yet. So I called up our friends at Occupy Renditions, um, Drew specifically, and I was like, hey, I'm in town. They're like, he's like, oh, well, we should go do something then. And so we meet up at the Cobb Galleria, where Eddie Boy is, because we all know where that is. And we're going to go eat Chow Baby, but they're closed on Sundays, or at least for lunch. So we were like, well, that's lame. So we decided to go. We met at the Cobb Galleria, where Eddie Boy is, because we all know where Eddie Boy is. And we decided to go eat Chow Babies, but Chow Baby is closed for lunch. Only they only open for dinner, and by the time they open for dinner, I was heading back home. So we thought, where could we possibly go to eat? But I remembered, Adiboy, Adiboy did an Adiboy port. The most important thing was they were talking about Abdul the Butcher and his restaurant. So I was like, hey, let's go to Abdul the Butcher's, and they're like, okay. Now, warning: if you try to use your iPod or sorry, iPhone as a GPS device to find out where this place is, you're going to find three results, because that's what we found. The Fairburn address is correct. We discovered this a little bit of venturing, driving from place to place, as the uh, neighborhood got worse and worse and worse, which really added to the ambiance. And then as we finally got there, Abdullah Butchers, and we walk in, You, we were, thankfully, they're open on Sundays. You know this because they have large signs pointing out that they're open on Sunday. They also have free Wi-Fi. And in the top bottom right bottom right corner, there's the word butcher on everything. They want you to know that it's a butcher. Now, do they actually kill the animals there? Like, no. is it actually a butcher, or is it just... No. I, I think they just like to say the word butcher. Maybe oh. in the Tokyo location. Because Abdul the Butcher, it's a colorful ring name. Oh, well, yes. okay. So it's much like the hard gay. Yes. I wonder if they've ever wrestled against each other. Oh man, that would be so awesome. Hard Gay's not really what a wrestler. What if Hard Gay's ever met up yeah, there? Yeah, he is. He is. He's, he's a Hard Gay's a wrestler. He's a professional oh. wrestler in Japan. I missed that part completely. Yeah, but, holy crap. Maybe they have met. Anywho. You should ask him that next time. Well, as soon as we <laughs> walked in, he was there and he greeted us. And we both, we all settled on the, um, the chicken and ribs combo. Because we figured we wanted barbecue more than Chinese food at the time. And, oh my god, the food is good portions, good price, and also amazingly delicious. This is a grease pit, but a really good grease pit. Some of the best barbecue chicken I've had in a long time. Well, the butcher knows what he likes. Like, our friend Barry, he makes lots and lots of barbecue chicken. He's going to have to learn to step up his game. As Abdullah did, they do, they do some good... Ribs were not as good, but the chicken was great. Barry's also a single guy using a propane grill out back. You know, he's not a professional chef, so... We're talking about a pro wrestler. Oh, man. You know, this is his place. Wait, is... he didn't actually cook all of these meals, did he? I mean, he, well, he pays a cook to cook things he likes. I thought that was how celebrity-owned restaurants worked. That's the mystery. Do you know? Perhaps they use pints of his blood to make the barbecue sauce. You don't know. That's creepy. Well, he is he, the man who works in mysterious ways. He did get a Fist of the North Star villain based on him. He did? Yes. He's actually had a few cameos, apparently, in anime and whatnot, and in video games. Yeah, he, was, he wrestled in Japan, so for at least a little while he was kind of an iconic figure. Like Bob Sapp? Yes. Oh, okay. He was the proto-Bob Sapp oh, in many ways. proto-Bob Sapp. Okay, got it. They'll just latch onto a random gaijin for a few months, and that'll be their guy. But, you know, he kept talking to me as I was walking to and fro 
grabbing, you know, utensils or straws or whatever. And at the end, he was like, do y'all have a camera? Yes. Well, then you're taking pictures. And so we all took pictures with, you know, Abdullah and we headed out. But it was a really, really good restaurant. We'll have to go back when we go back to Adi Way. It's really fun. Good stuff. Yes. Your turn. Me. I haven't been able to think of anything. Well. Kevin, you go. Okay. I got a short one, though. It's as related to the Ren Fair at Mike and Esther's wedding. They totally had a Birds of Prey show there. And the dude had an Andean condor. What's an Andean condor? How is it special from other condors? It's the biggest flying bird in the world. (laughs) Oh. You can't really see my hands over the radio, but I mean, it was probably a good three feet tall. He's gesturing to about the size of his torso and head. And... Wings for days. And now he has spread his arms as wide as he possibly can and is making some sort of retarded flapping motion. That I am. <laughs> but he also had, you know, some other stuff like a, a hawk and a peregrine falcon and an owl and a little black vulture. That was the cutest thing because it thought he was his daddy and followed him around everywhere on the ground. Oh, that sounds cute. But yeah, I, I, it was fun. Lee and Me and Lee and Suze sat through it and they was like totally letting him fly around and had him do stunts. <laughs> Oh, hey, that reminds us of the guy that we saw at the yeah, right fair. Yeah, Todd was something or other. Yeah. The Flying Debris Show. Yeah, Todd and the Flying Debris Show. Todd <laughs> got up there and he said, Hi, my name's Todd. I know that there are a bunch of other people with a lot more impressive names at the Ren Fair than Todd, but I take what I got. Uh, and, you know, he pointed out there's people like named uh, Rivas the Blackhearted and names like that, and he's just Todd. And so someone from the audience shouted out, you know, you could be Sir Todd. And Todd just looked at this buffoon and said, Yeah, Sir Todd is so much better than just <laughs> Todd. Moron. <laughs> he paid that guy to say that. Probably. I have a feeling he had lots of plants in the audience. No, I think he was just really good at working the audience. I know the way a lot of a lot of stage performers and, and, uh, and magicians do when they call kids up and he called a lot of kids up. They usually talk to the kids before they actually go on stage and tell the kids to sit in certain parts. So all the adults probably, yeah, he just was like, hey, throw this at me. But all the kids he'd probably worked up through what he's going to do. Like, even the part where the kid threw the threw the rope at him upstage, I bet you anything, before the show he sat there and told that kid, hey, go ahead and throw it up to me. You know the one kid whose mom came in um, halfway through and yelled at him because he was not supposed to be there? Yes. And he just showed up? Yes, that kid. Bet he was a plant. Especially that kid. I bet they were all plants. Everyone in the audience, even you. Oh, I was totally a plant. You know, why do you think I laughed so hard when he made his uh, sucking the pilots to death joke and his pull out of, uh, what was it called? Oh, pull out of did booty? I laughed so hard at that one. That's probably the story I read about time travelers who all went to Jesus' crucifixion, and then the time traveler realizes everyone there is a time traveler. (laughs) (laughs) And they they were all coached to ask for Barabbas to be set free. (laughs) Anyways. I finally figured out my moment of awesome. Two moments of awesome, actually. Oh, snap. From this this last trip. And he's Uh, holding up three fingers as he uh, says this. No. Damn you, ring finger. Oh, okay. Anyway, 
So I was in Atlanta this weekend also for the wedding, but I had some other ulterior motives when uh, I was in town. Brad always has ulterior motives. Especially when it comes to big cities. So... Like, you hang um, out with Brad, you just learn to figure out he has an ulterior motive for this. I don't know what I it is. I never have one purpose for going anyplace. It usually involves fries. Yes. yes. Yeah. A lot of times, it's for fries. Well, um, I had I'd gone to Atlanta three weeks ago to take our buddy uh, James, who is going to be editing this podcast. Um, shout out to him. James! Yeah, shout out to James. Oh, baby! <laughs> he likes it when I do that. I know, I was about to say something, but you stole my words. Anyway, um, so I took him, and I took him to Fry's for the first time about three weeks ago, and I saw uh, the first season of Code Geass Part 3 box for sale at Fry's for forty nine ninety nine, and I didn't know if it was a good price or not, because I could recall getting the, the uh, second box at the Best Buy in Huntsville for forty two ninety nine. So, I hold off on getting that box thinking it's just been released and that Best Buy is going to have it next week when I get into town. Well, I come back to Huntsville and they don't have it. Nor so, has the rest of nor, North Alabama. Nor, nor has the rest of North Alabama or Birmingham. I, I try like five or six different places in Alabama and nobody has it. I check online and everybody has it backordered. And Those I'm like, bastards. Oh, and it was released in February. Not like March or April. It was released in February. So I resolved to hitting up Fry's once more when I was in Atlanta because that's that's the only place I found it last time. And Did they I walked into it? Fry's and yes, they had a, they had one box and I picked it up forty nine ninety nine. I yeah, and awesome, I was Brad. so happy. I it was awesome. It was great. And and the second moment of awesome was well, I went to the wedding with my friend Alan. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Tell us more about this adventure. So, well, he was fascinated with fries when I when I took him as well, like all my friends are. Uh Um, But apparently, uh, one of his uh, friends calls him up while we're in Atlanta, asking for an Inuyasha plushie because apparently she saw my Inuyasha plushie that's always hanging from my rearview mirror, and it's sort of like got an iconic status about uh among among my friends who who seem to think i don't know what do you guys think of it it's an inuyasha yes it's an inuyasha plushie you have an inuyasha plushie in your car yeah he's had okay, it for I years. Know, i've, I've had it, it but... he's been hanging up there for about eight or nine years now it's a first uh it's a first run first generation plushie they don't make them like they used it's to it's all sun washed out now too isn't yeah, it yeah but that shows love that shows age you know <laughs> so well for about the past two years, my uh, Inuyasha plushie had, you know, I like to pin things to its uh, little uh, yukata. And uh, for a long time, there was a uh, junior officer police badge on it. And I said, damn it, I need to change it out for something. So, um... It means an SOS brigade. Or something like that. Well, yeah. I thought about stuff like that, and... Uh, my friend Alan wants to hit up some of the anime stores in the Atlanta area so that he can find this uh, Inuyasha plush. Um, so we hit up a few, and uh, we finally hit up this store called Fandom in the Mall of Georgia. And though they didn't have any Inuyasha uh, plushies, they had Seshimaru, oddly enough. 
one of the things I found there was a mini um, drill from uh, Gurren Lagann. It's Simon's drill that he yes! like, wears around. Yeah. Pierce the heavens with your Pierce drill! The <laughs> you got to hear a break! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I found it and I said, wait a minute. I can hang this on Inuyasha. So, so now you have Inuyasha yes, the digger. Yes, I have Inuyasha. You know, dogs like to dig. So. You know, it is. I have to say that it is the most badass Inuyasha plushie I have ever seen. Like at first, Brad was showing it to me. I was like, "What? What, Brad? It's your Inuyasha plushie." But then he showed me. I was like, "Oh no! It is your Inuyasha I plushie." I posted a on my live journal, so it's really great. You gotta see it. That's those were my two moments of awesome that made me really happy this weekend. So speaking of pictures, we also. As soon as we announced the whole character, the new Mari illustrious um, ogre puncher character and the new Ava movie, they actually posted pictures of her. And her plug suit is certainly very interesting. I, I take it she has a frog theme going on. Well, it's certainly very green. That would explain the legs on the Ava. Of course. Yes. They can't see any of this. Maybe we'll put up pictures on the website. Yeah, we will. We should probably put up pictures of these, because you guys were talking about her plug suit looking like a stripper, and I've been staring at this plug suit the entire time that we've been talking about our little moments of awesome, and uh, it really looks like a frog to me. I mean, you've got the green, you've got the yellow thing where the puff, where the puffy cheeks are, like that's how Japanese frogs are, you've got the white underbelly, like she's a frog, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, and her and her Ava has wheels and legs or something. And brown spots like a frog. It's true. In We're, fact, the legs are kind of shaped frog-like. Yeah, we'll, we'll post pictures. It's definitely very interesting. Only time will tell if happy Hidekiano is as cool as happy Tamino. And rumor has it that this character might have prosthetic legs, and so we, this might be the disability of Ava. She's handy, capable. Yeah. Oh, Japan! I never thought you'd become politically correct. Well, we'll see what happens. Now watch this. I'll go get hit by a bus as soon as I leave this house. Just like Minky Momo. Which is funny because there really is no room for buses to travel in this neighborhood. No. No, it pretty much. Well, I'll get hit by one anyway. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. You just said, "Oh, okay." I was just making sure. Okay, uh, from that point, we're going to move on to the world of awesome. And we're back. Okay. So, speaking of Ava, there's this guy named uh, Takeshi Honda, and he teaches, supposedly, at two universities. He was a key animator and mechanical animation director of the original Ava, and also the theatrical remakes, including the the new 2.0 movie. He's also the character designs for uh, the Beyond Short for Animatrix, Blue Submarine Number 6, Dana Coyle, Metal Fighters Miku, and Millennium Actress. His skills have been so apparently revered by other people, that his colleagues, that during the production of Bowling Crisis, uh, his fellow animation director, uh, Takahiro Ki- uh, Kishida, ref- nicknamed him uh, Shishio, or Master. This is not the actual guy who's been teaching at these two universities. Some other guy has been teaching using his name from April of 2001 to January 2009. You think someone would have noticed. 
He apparently told people that it, that was his working name, that he left after having trouble with the director Satoshi Khan during Millennium Actress. And that this other um, Honda was actually the fake Honda, who was just using <laughs> his name to do all this extra animation. Suffice to say, he's resigned. <laughs> wow. Like, I guess Japan doesn't know the words fact check. Background check? Whatever. That would be dishonorable to check his background. Oh, yes. Well, or, or you know, information on actually understanding what's going on. Kind of like swine flu. Oh, God, swine flu. As it turns out, the, um, the LMC Visual K rock duo... They announced on Thursday that they're at to cancel its performance at Akon in Texas. They um, said that their label, Pony and Canyon, has prohibited all its employees and artists from traveling overseas this month due to concerns over the swine flu. Do you guys actually understand the swine flu? Because it's very hard not to go off on my rant about the swine flu every time I hear somebody talk about the swine flu. Other than it's no more harmless, or it's no more dangerous really than the first time you got flu ever. <laughs> well, that... I, I, mm. I think it's a conspiracy by the government to uh, get us in a panic to shove universal health care down our throats. Well... Brilliant. The thing about the swine flu... Then is... again, I'm a capitalist pig, so I guess I am swine flu. <laughs> oh. Oh, burn. The thing about the swine flu is that, uh, you know, even, even when you're, even after you're born, you know, if you've been, uh, if you've been nursed, if you've been, if you were nursed, you got some of your mother's antibodies, you know, most people in this day and age have immunity towards the flu. The big scary thing about the swine flu is that we just don't have immunity for it. And so if you get the swine flu, your body basically has to start over from scratch, fighting it like a brand new infection. And the flu can kill people. Like, any flu can kill people. The big thing about the swine flu is that it actually is killing people in uh, underdeveloped countries uh, between the ages of 20 to 50. The other thing is that people don't seem to be taking into consideration is that if you get a really bad case of the flu like the swine flu is... Check into the hospital and they can treat you for it. The swine flu is susceptible to Tamiflu. There's no real reason to be panicked about it. Just be careful about it. So careful that you're not going to come to America to perform. Now, I wonder if Moves coming to ASEN this weekend. As far as I know, they still are. It's probably because they're in Texas. Oh. And Texas is right by Mexico. Maybe. And that's where all the worst you know, episodes of swine flu have been has been in Texas. But to converse this about this whole story about this Asian rock band not going over to America, Japan's created a brand new fund to boost anime and more overseas. It's apparently called the uh, Contents Overseas Development Fund, and it's going to support the expansion of Japanese media, particularly Japanese animation and films around the world. It's going to invest money from the Industrial Reform Organization, a larger joint private-public fund that's been established in July, and other sources. Uh, apparently, according to stuff, uh, overseas revenues have accounted one for 1.9% of the Japanese media industry's overall revenues in 2004, compared to the 17% of the American media industry. <coughs> and I guess they want to get more of that larger worldwide pie. Let's hear it for third season of Big O, coming soon on Cartoon Network then. Well, maybe. We can dream, can't we? Hmm. And with all this, you know, production, you know, 
trying to get more anime out into to the world. Anime must be doing pretty good, right? Nope. No, uh... Yasu Yamaguchi, main director of the Association of Japanese Animations, has described the anime industry as a bubble several years ago that burst. The marketplace is on a falling curve due to, get this, declining birth rates and the recession. That's their answer to every problem in Japan. That's correct. You know there really are declining birth rates in Japan. Well, that's true. I mean, I think we've talked about this on a previous Awesome Cast, if not drunkenly over Denny's dinner. Probably both. Yeah, probably. Most things that wind up drunken over Denny's dinner end up on the here anyway, so I mean. Yeah. Well, well, here's the trick, is that they're talking about how things, how they made so much money a few years ago, and now they're not making so much money. Well, here's an example. In the year 2000, they had 124 anime programs, television programs. And in 2006, they had 306 and it has now fallen to 288 in 08. Well, you know, uh, for starters, there was a lot more crappy anime being produced back in 2000. Uh, well, no, there was only 124 in 2000. Oh. In 2006, there was 306. In other words, oh. they've almost tripled the amount of output they were making of creating Which means shows. Three times the crappy anime. Oh, yeah. There you go. Not, they're not all gems, people. <laughs> it's, you know, the video game industry is also declining in Japan. It's something that we don't really realize here in America, but it it is. Uh, the basic problem is that the basic problem is that the Japanese are losing their hardcore fan base because there basically is no hardcore platform. Uh, the Japanese, you know, even with Tales of Vesperia selling out the 360, most Japanese are still refusing to buy the the Xbox 360 because it's from Microsoft, a clearly American company. And so that leaves either the PlayStation 3, or, which has no good games, or the Wii that has no good games for gamers. PS3 has... Name it. A couple good games. Fuck Name them. Fuck Hero Chronicles. Oh, okay, good job. Good job. You yeah. get the cookie, basically. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, oh, it's just it, also on it's Xbox. Got, it's got them, and the PS3 has been okay. rising in sales. And it's yeah. got That's about half the games the 360 has. The, yeah. The, if I have the choice between the two, I get the 360 because I'm a whore for achievement points. I am too. I love achievement points. In fact, I'm only on my fourth playthrough like, of Vesperia to get all the achievements. You get, you get Star Ocean. It, you can get, it has achievements you get in the game besides the achievement points. So as the meme goes, you liked achievements so much, you can get achievements while you're getting achievements. Oh, wow. But my, uh, my point was more that I think they start overproducing shows. Yeah. And they yeah. flood the market with so many shows that, of course, whenever you... This is a very, very common problem. You know, for example, you know, ADV and some other companies like Tokyo Pop, they would, when, when something would do well, they would then... I think the ratio was like, for every five or six shows they'd license, one would be good. Yeah. And then they would bust... Then they started busting up to like one out of every ten shows, one out of twenty, or even more shows. And they created so much that... Guess what? Not all of them are going to be hits, and you, you suddenly create a giant, you know, house of cards that is really yeah. easy to to burst down. Even if you like moe moe bullshit, if there's a hundred moe moe bullshit shows on TV, you're going to be like, eh. "Well, this moe moe bullshit show is complete bullshit," whereas this is only shiny bullshit. Exactly, it's not. They're not all going to be hits. And, and you know, and that's really the the crux is I think it's good that it's shrinking because. You know, oh no, we only had 288 shows in 08. 
That's a crap ton of shows. Yeah. Do you ever hear about that many shows, like, you know, on American TV? Yeah. I'm sure there are, but... Yeah, there are, but they're mostly on crappy channels that no one cares about anyway, so... Like, no big surprise that they play them. Oh, yeah. All right, but have you ever heard of, like, 288 cartoon shows? No. New cartoon shows in America? No. Like, because... That's because America still feels that cartoons are for kids, despite the fact that anime is becoming more and more popular. Never mind Adult Swim and all their homegrown... Yeah. ...aimed at adult audience stuff. Yeah. Never mind all that. Yeah. It's for kids. For kids. Totally. If you watch cartoons and you're an adult, you're a pedophile. Kevin, you are the last person who needs to be talking about <laughs> or, that. Or um, playing Animal Crossing. You play Animal Crossing, and you're over the age of 18. You're a pedophile. You're a pedophile. Really? Never there was played. a cyber cop in Missouri that said that. Really? Yes. That if you're um, playing Animal Crossing, you're over the age of 18, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And you should stop. Well, what are the right reasons to play Animal Crossing? Apparently, you have to be little children. What? That's the only, that's the only right reason. You have to be little children. Well... Oh, well, okay, then, then let me start over and go, what are the wrong reasons for playing Animal Crossing? Because let me tell you, I've played some Animal Crossing, and I cannot fathom how you can do anything even remotely inappropriate. You in might that. possibly go online and meet little children. How? You can't do that. You have to know the other person's the, 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 That's logic. That's logic. logic. But... that, that that's you're, you're playing the logic card. No logic. And the guy's from Missouri. No logic, Susie. Douglas. Which you no, would know about. That out. <laughs> well, yes, my... Families from Missouri. So. No logic, Douglas. Now, anyone who actually is smart from Missouri, I apologize. But, but you live in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, the people from Alabama are telling you you should be ashamed, Missourians. That should tell you something. I do have a reason I have an irrational hatred of Missouri. I won't go into that here and now, but I do have one. So it's not entirely your fault. So, to top off the bad news... As of, I'm sure that, well, many people already know this, but Central Park Media has filed for Chapter 7. No! That means they're liquidating and they're going away. This is like, this is not like Chapters 1 and 13 where they might still have a chance to restructure and operate. No, Chapter 7 is the end. I'm familiar with the Chapter 7. Now, you must ask, who is CPM? Well, CPM was Central Park Media, Software Sculptors, U.S. Mega Corps, and Anime 18. They put out things like Great of the Fireflies, Utena, Pat Labor, Lotus War, Slayers, Urasuki Doji, you know, Sorry, Galactic Railroad, Aiko, Dominion Tank Police, um, the Blue Girl, a lot of Beast Invasion, a know, lot of the really good anime from like. The, that came out in America around in the mid nineties, I think. Yeah. And also the bad things like Crystal Triangle, the and humanoid, Odin, and Odin, and a whole bunch of other crap. You take that back. Crystal Triangle was was oh god, Basil, it was so terrible that after you showed <laughs> that crap to me, I was like, dear God, where have two hours of my life gone? I've never actually seriously thought that. I've said that before in like talking in hyperbole to try to express how bad I thought something was but seriously at the end of Crystal Triangle like it wasn't even so bad it was good it was just like normal bad and so I had no idea why Basil forced me to watch this I have now so far got my anime club to watch this movie twice I'm planning for a third time to come December it's gonna be a tradition Oh, God. I still have never seen it. It's a miracle. Speaking of convincing our anime club to watch something, I'm trying to get our anime club to watch uh, 
Ristorante Paradisio still. I'll tell you guys how that goes when I finally succeed. I'm getting curious. I'm going to vote for this till it gets in. I'm just curious about this show now. <laughs> now, of course, Slayers has already been picked up by Funimation a few years ago. Thank God. And rumor has it that someone actually has the rights to Tana already. They're just trying to get a hold of the um, new remastering of the R2 release. Oh, well, that'd so, be awesome. I really do need a real DVD version of that someday. Well, here's the trick, is that uh, you might have a version of that coming your way, because if they release new re- newly remastered versions, I'm going to buy them all. Again. I already own all of Utena. <laughs> all of it. All three box sets, the movie, all of it. But if they release it again, and it's remastered, I'll buy it again. So you might just... I call dibs. Yeah. I call dibs on Basil's DVDs. I just can't wait to buy Slayers over and over and over again. Well, it's the same way I feel about Vesperia. You know how I bought it like five or six copies? You know, one for me and then one to give out to all of you guys? <laughs> when I heard they were putting it on the PlayStation 3, I just can't wait. I'm going to buy Vesperia again. And play that lolly pirate girl. Oh god, that lolly pirate girl. God, she can die in a fire. You know, I've done that with Fantasy Star 4. I, I keep buying Fantasy Star 4 over and over again. I will, not, I will not talk yeah. about how many times I've bought in Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> right, yeah. But I, I thought as sort of a eulogy to Central Park Media, we would review one of their, uh, what I thought was one of their best show, best movies they ever released, which was uh, one that is very, very overlooked and not nearly many people have seen. And it's called They Were Eleven. Originally a manga by uh, Moto Hagio, which ran in the Sojo comic for three issues from September through November of 1975. I thought you said this thing was made before Shoujo existed as a uh, as a venue. Well, she's a ma- she's a member of the Year 24 group, oh. and the, or AKA the Fabulous 49ers. How are you going to look at it? People who first started being women writing Shoujo manga. Oh, like, so in, I see. In a, yeah, at the start, it was yeah. like Tezuka and Leiji Matsumoto and other guys writing Sojo stuff and for mm-hmm. girls. Some of it hit, some of it worked, some of it didn't. You know, other guys trying to write for girls. It's a little hit and miss. But the the Year 24 group, they were a group of women, sort of like the, uh, the uh, proto-clamp, as it were. Um, they were the ones that really made Sojo manga what we know it is today. Yeah. And, you know, things like Rose of Versailles... And whatnot, they did. They did the pro stuff of you know proto Yuri as we know it, proto boys love as we know it. They were sort of they were the they were the foundation 
of the genres we know today. They started getting wacky, breaking up the square. They actually are the ones in Japan who started doing things besides just square panels all the way through. They started like breaking the borders and making it a little more huh. abstract, like what we are used to seeing in manga. Like they're, they're incredibly influential people, and and this was one of her later, I guess, later works. Kind of down the line. I mean, she did this and AA Prime, which both have strong sci-fi elements. I mean, she wrote stuff before that that was mostly like normal dramas. Well, I first saw this movie at our anime club. I think Kevin had it on VHS, and he brought it to the club, and it was so good that I took that I begged him to let me borrow it, and I took it home. And my dad, up until that point, because I was still like a brat in college, no, I was still a brat in high school even, and. And my dad was very disapproval of this whole anime nonsense. He didn't know all about this Sailor Moon gobbledygook. <laughs> and so I said, Dad, anime is really great. Watch this. And I played They Were Eleven for him. And he sat down and he watched the whole thing. And, you know, when he got up, he was like, yeah, this is pretty good. And he never gave me an issue about liking those weird Japanese cartoons again. It's a very good example of, of how well storytelling can be done in anime. Like, if you have a friend or somebody who's not a big fan of anime, but likes, like, sci-fi stuff, this is a really good introductory thing to show to somebody. To get them used to the idea that anime isn't just trite crap. It's almost more of a, well, it's murder mystery is the wrong term, but it's a suspense drama in space. (laughs) It's a really good science fiction story. Yes. I mean, they sit there, they back everything up with uh, science. Mind, it's not always the best science, like... Well, this was written back in, like, I think the 60s. you know, (laughs) the guy with his algae biology... I actually think that's kind of a neat idea. It it, it was full of a bunch of really neat ideas, and they didn't... They did the great writing thing where they didn't delve into anything so much that you could sit there and scientifically prove it wrong, but they mentioned just enough of it that if you are a science nut, you can go, oh, well, maybe if they did this and this and this and this, they could get to that point. So it, yeah. gave, it gave you room to figure it out while at the same time not contradicting itself. It was, it had, there was much of the science in there. I mean, the sci-fi is, it's light sci-fi. I mean, they don't, they don't explain it all in hard numbers. Yet. It's a sci-fi Star Trek. Yeah, it's, yes. Which it's, much like it's more than sci- no wait yeah it's about a sci-fi a Star well, Trek well you know more sci-fi than Star Wars yeah Star Wars is it's more sci-fantasy yeah that's true sci-fantasy yeah. well this does have psychic I mean, powers involved but only a tiny bit look everything in good science fiction has psychic powers involved it's just the way science fiction rolls yeah that's true I mean look at Babylon Five yeah yeah now as you we mentioned this is also science fiction this takes place. In the future. In space! Where mankind has been in space for many hundreds of years and has met all sorts of alien species. Many who conveniently look just like humans. Only slightly different. Oh, slightly different. And and for about a uh, hundred plus years, they have set up co- the Cosmo Academy. A.K.A. The ultimate Japanese university in space. Entrance exams are hell. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> the entrance exam to this university was made up by, like, sadistic bastards. Like, not only do you have, like, the grueling physical tests and the gigantic, like, space pod, like, giant computer tests and... You know, after you pass, 
after you pass, like, this grueling, like, educational exam, after you pass this grueling, like, physical exam, then you have to pass their applied exam, which is basically where they lock you and nine other people for a total of ten people up on a space station for 53 days and say, just survive, guys. Have fun. Don't contact us. If you contact us, you fail the test. Here's a big red button. You push it, we come and rescue your ass. You fail, though. And you go, okay. And then the explosions happen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The actual exam is supposed to be, and this is kind of a spoiler for you, the actual exam is supposed to be that they've rigged all these explosives up on the space station. Well, they don't don't tell you that at all. Like, it just happens. Oh. I thought, don't they tell you that at some point in the manga? They don't. Well, the manga does sort of explain it's, they try to set up as much as possible to dick with you to make you want to hit that button. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and one of the primary ways they... They've done this, or you think they might have done this, you're not quite sure what's going on, is that when they get there, there's not ten people, they were eleven. Hence the title. Yeah, there's eleven people. And don't think I didn't realize that we're, this is releasing on May 11th. That was an accident, but I'll take it as, you know, divine coincidence. All is destiny. Which is a line in the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. As, as, uh... The rest of the members are kind of going stir-crazy, and they're having a big, giant, epic food battle with a lot of cream pies for no express reason. Uh, the two stoic characters are sitting there off to the side while the rest of the crazy characters are hurling food at each other. And, the, you know, one of them just looks at the other and says, All is destiny. And then they hit each other in the face with pies. The all destiny guy is, is the tall dude who's also green, looks kind of like a moe head, and is voiced by the greatest voice actor of all time. Norio Wakamoto. That's right. Perhaps you've heard of him. <laughs> if you he haven't, does, he does Emperor uh, Britannia in Code Geass. Lelouchu. And we actually did this list last time. Yeah, so I think we did because we, he was in some. Oh yeah, he's uh, Oda Nobunaga and Senko Sorry, yeah. Watch that. Yeah, he's he's a lot of stuff. It tech, basically, if you've ever heard. A character with a big, booming, powerful man-sounding anime voice. It's probably this guy. Or Yusaku Yara, but he's cool too. Yeah, but he's yeah, one of the two. Sort of the James Earl Jones of. He gets around. He's in a metric crap ton of anime. One time, this guy got a hold of a script for this anime, and he said that this anime script was just so awesome that he had to do it. But then they tried to change the name of the anime. And he said that he would not do it if they changed the name. Uh, and so they went ahead and they did it. And so they actually made snakes on a plane just so that he could stand up there and say, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane. I think you got your actors crisscrossed a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. But they would totally do this for Norio Wakamoto in Japan. They, they would have. They, they would yeah. have. That's a tangent. Okay. But our main character... It's this guy named Tadatos Lane. Voiced by Akira Kamiya. No slouch in the voice actor department either. He has a very unfortunate hair that it was the 80s, so he was very obviously born with this hairstyle, since all the flashbacks of him as a child show him with the exact same terrible Vegeta haircut. He came out of his mother's womb with oh, that and hair. I also realize this is an 80s adaptation of a 70s manga, so there was no help for this man. Oh, God. No. You just had to... You just, Feel bad much, for him. They pretty much all have bad 80s hair. Hey, 
the guy girl thing had great <laughs> hair. Yes, yes. You. the uh, yes, Frawl. Frawl. Frawl just needs Frawl's own unique gender pronoun. <laughs> Man, Frawl's got the most awesomest first name. Frawl Berry. Frawl Berry Cherry. Frawl. Frawl Berry Cherry. Frawl. Frawl. That's... Who who comes from the most misogynistic society I think well no it's not the most misogynistic society I've ever heard of it's the most misogynistic society I've ever heard of in a fantasy setting or sci-fi setting yeah yeah whatever same okay. thing cool. or anime in general <laughs> well I think it's it's one of those Japanese things for example they're trying to you know, get admitted to like the old you know the equivalent of the ultimate you know college college this is sort of like you know entrance exam hell. I bet this is sort of how maybe the you know the writer felt sort of possibly being a gal in Japan, you know, that probably felt she was so you know constrained that yeah. I mean that's just me shooting from the hip. I could be totally wrong, and, and she might come and punch me in the balls afterwards hearing this podcast. But she's still alive, I believe. She might be coming. Hey, oh, if she crap. listens to this po- podcast, if she does hear this. I want her to come punch you in the balls, even if she's not offended, just to prove that she listens to it. If you're out there, Moto Hagio, all right, we're, but we're waiting. Pu- we're putting Eric in my place so that we're just going to call him Basil, so I don't actually <laughs> deal with it. We can all agree to that, I think. But yeah, so he he also has some other unfortunate things that happens to him, like he's just mildly psychic enough to get him into trouble. Yeah, he has intuition. I thought that they proved that he didn't actually have intuition. He'd just been on the space station before. Well, or he maybe. really does. He, he does have a weird sixth sense. Oh. Which is part of also why he's got a lot... It's actually a lot better on that ship because of... Well, spoiler tags. Um, are we... Do we care? Yes. Okay. Because why people actually watch this there show. There is a reason why he is extremely sensitive. More so on this ship <laughs> than anywhere else. But he does, in fact, have a psychic sixth sense that occasionally... Points him in the right direction of things. Or and hair like when, Vegeta. Yeah. In fact, I think that his hair is actually a divining rod. That, that, that could be it. That it's could be psychic it. antenna. Yes. And the king of the board of the ship is very jealous, jealous of the antenna. I actually really like the king. Like, you, you guys are sitting there all movie going, God, why is this guy such a dick? But you gotta understand. I liked him. When you're the king, it's your job to be the dick. Well, he was... <laughs> Doing a very good job through that whole movie. <laughs> I liked him. Like, you knew when the shit hit the fan because he suddenly stopped being a dick to people. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, yes, there is a guy, who, he is a king of his planet, who's there not to actually go to college, but just to prove that he could actually complete the exam. Yeah. So that he can basically go back to all his, uh, his subjects and go, Salt bitches! Yeah. And little, raise his middle finger. It's a little vague in the movie, but it, it is a little more clear in the manga about, like, Four of them are humans of Earth descent. Like, three are... No, four, because there's eleven. Uh, wait, I don't know. But, like, King and his friends and the little... King, his ultimate, like, Spittle, and the little guy are all another kind of humanoid alien. And then the th- there are three more who are just other random things that aren't exactly human. Yeah. Like, poor Ganga... Well, not poor Ganga. He's awesome. He's made of... He's made of algae. He's not... Well, he is. He's totally made of algae. He's... he's... That was the great science in this movie. It was like, he's a cyborg, but his cyborg parts are algae. 
Of course, Algae cyborg. Of course, considering the wiring on the ship, on the spaceships, or some kind of plant as well. Yeah, it's kind the, of uninteresting. Organic, well, cer- organic. That's almost wiring. like biopuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of wacky. Although considering just about everything else in the ship is very metal looking, but the wires are a type of plant, which unfortunately can sometimes Explode. be fatal. Dun dun dun. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But yeah, when they first get here on the spaceship, explosions rock the ship. And they're like, what the shit? And Tata has to go, hey, we should go to the command center. It's over here. Yeah. And they stop the explosions and they get the thing where, hey, you're stuck on here. For 53 days, You, if you die, you lose. If any of you die, you all lose. But if you all can survive, you all succeed and pass the test. If you give up, you lose. Here's a panic button. Don't press it. Unless you want to lose. And from there, everyone starts freaking out because they realize, oh wait, there's 11 of us. There's only supposed to be 10. It's a problem from the start. And things start going wrong. And they keep going, who's the 11th person? Who's, who's doing this? Is, this? is this just horrible accidents? Is this sabotage? What's going on? And it gets pretty tense. It's a suspense drama. It's one of those several people who've never met each other in an awkward situation and people panic, get paranoid, have an amusing food fight. It's I really um, liked Amazon. I thought he was a great character. <laughs> well, he was. He was sort of the happy-go-lucky, you know. Yeah, he was. Got along with everybody, pretty much. Got to have a guitar. Except for when all of the other characters decided they wanted to kill the main character for no express reason. Well, sometimes you gotta kill the main character. That's the only way you can progress the story. What's your problem? <laughs> See nothing wrong with this. They were gonna do that anyways, even if there were no problems. I also get a past 53 days. Yeah, it was like, they probably had a calendar. It was actually marked day to kill, try and kill the main character. You know, and they just got to it early. Mm. So, so really, he was just joining in on the fun. Really? Excellent. Although it was kind of sad, they had like an afterwards at the end of the theme. Well, at the end, like as the end credits were playing, that sort of like Animal House style told you what all <laughs> happened to the characters afterwards. And, uh, you know, a lot of them were, a lot of them were happy. Like, he went on to complete his dream. He went on to do, to write this book. He went on to do this and this. Uh, he toadied for the rest of his life in a happy fashion. <laughs> yeah, he toadied for the rest of his life. Uh, he was a great king after all. Who knew? And then the last uh, person's like, and then he died. I was actually <laughs> going to talk about how Amazon went on to become like a music singer. And it was sort of like, what the fuck, Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> he became a composer. Oh, right. He just picked up the guitar one day and that someone left behind in the bunk and was like, huh, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's a guitar. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, he was totally on there to try and uh, learn mechanical engineering, though, so he did a great thing with his degree. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong being a composer. Well, no, but... Like Ghost Mutazuka, who totally became a medical doctor, and then decided to write comic books for a living. <laughs> and created anime and manga as we know it. Yeah. You know, sometimes people need to get really smart degrees to do way more awesome things than those actual degrees let you do. So really, in that way, Amazon was the most awesome of all. He was. Oh, man. He also had some kicking scars. Yes. 
uh, you, you, there's a moment where he's like, oh yeah, on my planet we hunt, we hunt all the time. I've hunted wild animals since I was a small child. And then he turns around and his back is like completely unmarred. His front is covered in scars. That's a uh, pretty... Apparently he only, you know, fought them, you know, head first. They never saw his back. They never got the chance. <laughs> he went on to write, like, love ballads and happy songs about bunnies. And probably, you know, eventually sired Basara. Possibly. But it's it's good stuff. It's, you know, and even though it's from 1986, 87, mm-hmm. the animation's still pretty good. It was theatrical animation and obviously had a pretty good budget. It's very well done animation-wise. There are several shots where even though it's kind of more of a personal, character-driven story, they really love to show the epic background of this massive spaceship or the camera work of people floating in zero gravity and going from different angles at them. And Yeah, uh, like, the character designs are very, are very dated. Um... They're mostly accurate to the manga, though. So. You can't, you can tell the difference between that this is hand drawn as compared to com- the modern day computer drawn animation, but really, it's it's still really, really well animated. It's, it's kind of one of those things of when you make something that is good, it's gonna stand up the test of time. Sure, the director was uh, Satoshi Dezaki, and he's done a lot of really, really good adaptations. Like he did some of the Blackjack stuff and some of the other Tezuka stuff that's been animated and adapted, you know, throughout the years. He's he's one of the major directors of anime, and so it probably was a really big, you know, thing where he's probably one of the reasons why it was done so well. And, you know, I just don't know why this, this movie isn't known more in America. Like, this is a really good quality piece of material. I don't understand why more... American anime fans haven't heard of it. It sort of was poor marketing, I think. I mean, it was in the early days of, hey, anime! Of course, that almost makes you wonder why not everyone just didn't like run out and buy it, because things were scarce back then. Yeah. Well, I also realized that, you know, the cre- the original creator, you know, <laughs> she's pretty well known, or at least, you know, as well known as one can be, around the world, except for us. Yeah. You know, we never caught the international anime bug when it originally hit the world. And it took us a little bit longer to, to hit. And so a lot of these older, you know, works, you know, have sort of, you know, has not really caught on. Because by the time it really started catching on, or could catch on, everyone said, oh, well, that looks old and dated. I want to yeah. watch old things. I know I went and got They Were Eleven after actually reading the manga that was published in four shoujo stories that Viz put out and that got brought actually brought it to my attention. It was one of the stories in there. Which is now out of print and was that was actually made before, you know, anime fandom at large knew what the word shoujo even was. Yeah. Like we were all still yeah. learning Japanese at that point. I then went on to read Moto Hagio's AA Prime, her other major sci fi series and Manga Vision, also out of print. But that's also kicks ass and totally deserves an anime adaptation, but we'll probably never get one. You know, I mean, even Tezuka has only now gets a lot of his stuff put out. And it took forever. And one of the other uh, 49ers who did, um, Blanking Now, it's another sci-fi towards the Terra. Ah, yeah. You know, that just, yeah, that Vertical just now put out that, you know, or in stuff like Guin Saga, it's only now getting anime. where it, But it's been also been, been made in one it's version of the 70s. It's been around since the 70s. 70s. Yeah, it's, it's as old as I am, just about. 
So, I mean, this this one of those things where, you know, she never just caught her American break. Which but, sucks, because this is really good stuff. Yeah, although to be fair, uh, they were 11 and AA Prime are really her sci-fi works. Right. I'd like to read, I'd be interested in reading some of her stuff that's not so sci-fi, though. The more normal works. Well, so, are we still doing the awesomes out of awesomes thing? Yes. Yes. Let's hear it. My God, it's a forty degrees of awesome. That's when the virus happens. But it goes beyond forty degrees of awesome. Will perish. I don't know. It's just off the top of my head. My God, it's full of awesome. Oh damn, that's good. <laughs> they were eleven awesomes out of awesome. Excellent. Good job, everybody. Good night. Wow, we totally skipped a spoiler section and never mentioned Thrall and Douglas ran off and yeah. And so they were 11 and so this podcast ends. No spoilers for you. You'll just have to watch the actual thing. Damn straight. Watch it. Now the plus side is you can actually find it online for pretty dang cheap. A quick Google search. I found it for less than $8. And for eight dollars, even if it's like a few dollars shipping, for like you know anything twenty dollars or less, this anime is worth it. Hell, I would say thirty dollars or less, this anime is worth it. So you really should go out, and we'll try to find some links to point you in the right directions to possibly track this down yourself. But definitely, this is one to actually go out, find, buy, and watch. Damn straight. And with that, we are out. Test, 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 test